Hey, what is up guys? Thank you for joining me today. My name is Dr. Tom LaHue. You can just call me Tom. And I want to welcome you to my channel. And before we get started today on our video, I just want to call your attention to the description below is a link to my website, TomLahue.com. I do offer Enneagram coaching appointments. Um, they're probably booked up, but I do offer them. And also I have a couple of certificate programs that I'm excited about. One is on Enneagram coaching. If you love the Enneagram and you love people, it's a, it's a fun, fast six week, uh, training program to take you behind the scenes and help you learn to do what I do in Enneagram coaching. Also, there is a relationship coaching program, Enneagram relationship coaching, and I've been spending a lot of time working on the Enneagram in Christian life or Christian living certificate as well. So I'd love for you to check out those programs if you're interested. Uh, I'd love to have you as a student in one of those Zoom programs. Okay, and also thanks to my patrons. I really appreciate your support. I know you don't have to do it and I appreciate it. So what do we want to talk about today? Well, I want to talk to you about uh, the question, is the Enneagram evil? Now, let me start by saying um, a couple of things. One, I don't hope to convince anybody of anything. Um, I've kind of learned over the years that once a person kind of has made up their mind, they tend to see all of the evidence through, through that lens. In other words, they make their decision that something is good or something is bad, and then they look at the evidence, and the evidence is going to confirm their, their presupposition or their assumptions. So if you're a person watching this thinking the Enneagram is evil, the church has been deceived, Christian ministers that follow the Enneagram are somehow being subverted away from the Bible and subverted away from truth, um, I'm not going to try to interact and argue with you about it. I get it. I totally understand. Okay. And I totally respect your view. And, um, I'm glad that you're watching this video. I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. I'm probably speaking more to the people that use the Enneagram and are Christians and have heard YouTube videos or maybe their minister or their pastor or somebody has kind of said something negative about the Enneagram. And so they're wondering, they're scratching their head saying, I thought this was really good. But now I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to think. I'm probably speaking more to those people. So again, I'm not trying to convince you against your belief system. Okay, I've learned that when somebody d disagrees or they, they, they don't believe in a system of beliefs, it's because they tend to hold very strongly to another system of beliefs. So I'm cool with you believe whatever you want to believe. All right. Okay, so what do I want to say? Is the Enneagram evil? Um, no, I don't believe it's evil, but technically it kind of is evil. And you're probably going, what do you mean technically it is evil? Well, I mean, if you look up the word evil in the Webster's Dictionary, the original Webster's Dictionary, which I'm going to show you in just a minute, the 1829 version or whatever of Webster's back when it was full of Bible verses. Webster was a Christian man, and the Webster's Dictionary was full of Bible verses and full of references to God. It was very Christian in its worldview, not so much anymore. But the original Webster's Dictionary, written by Daniel Webster, when you look up the definition of the word evil, I think the Enneagram could actually fit there. But I don't think the Enneagram is evil. If it was evil, I wouldn't be using it. All right. Now, why are we having this discussion? Well, let me take you back to when I first started to learn about the Enneagram. This is going to be probably a long video. I'm sorry. If you don't like long videos, then I don't know what to tell you. But if you do, then just, you know, enjoy. All right. 
When I first started learning about the Enneagram as a pastor, I am a full-time Christian pastor in a Christian church, okay, very evangelical, Liberty University. All right, so when, when I first started learning about the Enneagram, I thought, this is so helpful. This is, I was familiar with Myers-Briggs. I'm an ENFP. I'm very familiar with Myers-Briggs. I did a lot of reading and learning and research about Myers-Briggs, and that was a very helpful way to understand people's personalities. But then when I came across the Enneagram, I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And as a seven on the Enneagram, seven wing six, social seven, I thought everybody needs to know about this. Everybody would just love to learn about this. Wouldn't they want to know more about themselves? It's very naive. Sevens tend to be very naive people. Wouldn't people love to learn about themselves and they could see all their shortcomings and then they could know what needs to, you know, some attention in their life? Wouldn't it be sevens love to inspire? I love to inspire people. I love to excite and generate questions and inspire people and challenge them, okay? But not too much. I don't want to challenge them too much. I'm not an eight. I have a very small eight wing and I'm working on that. But anyway, so I thought this is such helpful information. I've got to share this with my church. And I don't know, that may or may not have been a great idea at the time. It seemed like a great idea at the time. So I started to do like a message series on the Enneagram. You know, I, I thought up Bible characters for each type, and I kind of showed how, you know, it made sense to me. What, what was the reaction to that? Well, probably about 20% of the people in the church thought, this is the most helpful thing ever. And we started a class. We had the message series in the mornings. We had a class in the evenings. And it was just the people that were interested, it was life-changing for them. And they told me that. They were like, this is some of the most helpful stuff I've ever learned. Wow, this is all, I've heard people tell me this at church. This is all we ever need to teach. We need to teach the Bible and we need to teach the Enneagram. And that's it. I don't know that I go that far, but I mean, people were profoundly moved. And then there was another 20% of people, maybe 10%, but I'm just gonna say about 20% of the people that they were not, digging this study at all. I would say there was a good 60% in the middle that didn't care. It's that same 60% that's in churches, in every church, that's like, whatever, I don't care. I'll learn something, I guess, if I have to. But there was another 20% there. So 20 that loved it, 60% that probably couldn't care less. And then there was about a 20% group on the other end that was very unsure about all of this. Um, I had some people, you know, that started looking up websites about the Enneagram. They were watching maybe a couple of videos here and there, and they, they, they thought that maybe it was satanic, you know, maybe the symbol, it looks like a pentagram. And so, you know, the five started satanic witchcraft pentagram. I had some people that they thought maybe this was communism disguised you know, that communism was infiltrating the church because communism, Marxism, it seeks to divide people up into groups. And is that what you're doing, Pastor? Are you trying to divide people up into groups? Um, so I had some people that they would actually come to church and they would sit through the worship service. And then when I'd get up to speak, 
even though it was a Bible message, you know, about a character in the Bible presented from the perspective of a one or a two and the things that ones and twos struggle with or threes or whatever the topic was for the day, even though it was a biblical message given by a Christian pastor, I had people that would get up and they would leave the service. So it was really strange. At that time, by the way, we had a, you know, our music minister liked things kind of loud. So <laughs> it was it was ironic that we had people in the lobby who would sit out of the worship service because the music was too loud. And um, and then when I would get up to speak, the group that was in the lobby that didn't like the music would then come in to hear the message. And the people that were in the worship service that didn't like the message because it was about the Enneagram would get up and leave and go out in the lobby. It was a very, I can see why people don't go to church. Okay, I totally get it. I can see why people look at churches and go, oh my goodness, Lord, come quickly, Lord, please. Okay, so I love them. You know, a church is not a problem to be solved. It's a people that need to be loved. And so we're goofy. We're all goofy. And the Enneagram helps us to see how goofy we are. Um, and we tend to be goofy in the same ways over and over again. So we just got to love people. All right, so that was a kind of a, an eye-opening experience for me because I thought, this is so helpful. Why would anybody have a problem with it? I mean, just like Myers-Briggs, just like Strength Finders, just like the DISC test, you know, I'm an otter, I'm a beaver, I'm a lion, I'm a golden retriever. Just like all that stuff, I thought, this is just another tool like that, only it's really good. You know, and it really goes deep pretty quick. But I found out from the beginning that there are people that they're not, they're not going to ride along on this trail ride of the Enneagram. And I was surprised. I was a little bit frustrated, but I was surprised. I think other types might call that angry. Okay, anyway. One thing I noticed, and I think this is interesting, and I, I'm not a trying to attack any group here, but one thing I noticed in that experience was as I was learning about the Enneagram and trying to figure out like types and all that stuff, the people that were having the greatest problem with the Enneagram as I was teaching it in the church all happened to be sixes, six wing fives to be exact. And I thought, is that, I, is that, is that just something I'm noticing? Is that something that I should pay attention to? And maybe they're not really sixes because obviously they wouldn't sit and let me talk to them. And, but I know from knowing those people for years, like the people that got upset and left, like they were all sixes. They were six wing fives. What do sixes have in common? Suspicion. They're suspicious. They tend to be suspicious. Like, what are you not telling us? What's going on behind the scenes? You know, who funded this research? And I'm not trying to pick on sixes at all because I have plenty of sixes that went through the material and loved it. I just noticed that the several people that were really the most vocal about this, that wanted to have appointments with me and wanted to meet with me and talk to me about the Enneagram and why am I doing this, I just noticed that they were all sixes. Now, I just found that interesting. And I've noticed like some of the videos I've watched on YouTube, the people that are like, let me tell you about the Enneagram and all that you know you don't know about it. I'm like, wow, this seems like very six, six kind of energy here on these videos interesting. All right. Again, I'm not trying to pick on sixes. I love sixes. My mom was a six wing five valedictorian of her school, by the way. Okay. So, um, is the Enneagram evil? No, I don't think it's evil. 
Now, that being said, I've read a ton of books. Look, there's the actual hardback, or, you know, the real books that I've read on the Enneagram, okay? And I've got a bunch more on Kindle. Look, they're all under the Bible. See, the Bible comes above it. The Bible's on top, and then the Enneagram. Anyway, I'm being stupid. So, when I read through all those books, and I read through, some of them have, you know, the history of the Enneagram and all that. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time going back and looking at all those books to get all of these. I'm not a five, okay? I'm not a one. I'm a seven. What did I gather from all of that reading? What I gathered was the history of the Enneagram is confusing. It is. Some people will say, oh, this goes back thousands of years to these uh, desert mothers, these desert fathers in the Catholic Church. It goes back to the Sufis, to, the, to this Muslim, to Judaism. To... And then there's people that say, well, the actual history goes back to the, you know, to the 1970s. And these, this little group of five people you know, that were these teachers that were in South America and... I'm just going to say this, that when I try to go back and read all of the actual books, like real information, when I go back and read that, it's blurry at best. It really is. It's blurry at best. You could find a book on that shelf that tells you this goes back thousands of years to these people. You can find another book that says, well, you're going to find videos that say it's blurry. That being said, like, I never sit around and think about where did Myers-Briggs come from. I, I think it comes from two authors, you know, that were trying to write characters for stories and they needed some way to make characters more human, more believable. Where did disc profile come from? Where did strength finders come from? Where, where, think about modern psychology. Like I went through all those classes in college, high school and college psychology. A lot of psychology is very secular. And you go through, you know, those important names like Hume and Freud and blah. I went through all that stuff. And that stuff is very secular. Is it helpful? Yeah, it can be really helpful. It's very secular, but it can be very helpful. And Christian colleges teach psychology. Christian colleges teach sociology and psychology and all that stuff as well. They may, you know, help you see it from a Christian worldview, but they teach Hume and all these people. Anyway, so the origin of the Enneagram, I don't know. I don't know. I, I read through it, and it's not, it's not a clean history. It's blurry and foggy and misty, and if anything, you're just going to probably get more confused as you read about the history of the Enneagram. That being said, remember, I don't know much about the histories of all these other assessment tools either. And so I wonder the people that the Enneagram has this, it's used, also that's another thing, they'll say, it's used by all these new age teachers, or it's used by all these other religions, and so Christians shouldn't be involved in something that's used by, and then they'll point it, Father Richard Rohr, he is a progressive, moderate, new age, and it's like, okay, so what you're saying is people from all different backgrounds, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, non-religious, New Age, pantheist, whatever, whatever you think of New Age, they all find usefulness in this. So therefore, it's bad. 
okay, we all find usefulness in a lot of things. We all find usefulness in philosophy and history and science. We all find usefulness in psychology. So do you apply that to every thing that we find usefulness in? Why single out the Enneagram that, well, this teacher over here is kind of out in the left field. So, so the system itself is suspicious because that teacher that uses it teaches other things that I don't agree with. Um, that seems a little bit, you know, um, difficult for me. Every one of these books, if I looked through them, I'd find things I didn't agree with, maybe. Okay, that doesn't mean that I can't learn and benefit from the system just because maybe the author is a little bit not exactly my worldview. Okay, so um, that is something I think about. And then sometimes you'll see on these videos or people that argue against the Enneagram in an evangelical churches, they'll say, well, the Bible's all you need. You, this The Enneagram pushes itself up as though you need to know this in order to be a Christian and really the Bible's all you need. I don't disagree with that. The Bible is all you need. I don't disagree that that this usurps the authority of scriptures. I don't think that at all. Just like I don't think Myers-Briggs usurps the authority of scripture or psychology. I don't think any of those things come before the Bible or are more important than the Bible. And yes, if you want to get to heaven, the Bible is all you need. And you want to know how to live as a disciple, how to live as a Christian, the Bible is all you need. I agree with all that. Again, that doesn't mean that the Enneagram isn't helpful. It's not necessary. I didn't know about the Enneagram for many years and I was fine. Okay? And my relationship with God was fine. So no, you don't need the Enneagram, just like you don't need air conditioning. You don't need, um, you know, soda pop. You don't need television. You don't need radio. You don't need any of those things. So I agree. You also don't need church buildings and you don't need, you know, gold communion trays. You don't need any of those things. You don't need guitars and pianos and drums. You don't need any of those things. You don't need baptistries. There's plenty of water out there in the ocean and in the lakes. You don't need any of those things, but you use all of those things because they're helpful, okay? Because they're helpful. Now, is the Enneagram evil? Um, let's, let's look at the definition of evil, okay? Let's go look at the definition of evil. I printed this out today from Webster, American Dictionary of the English Language, and somewhere on there it probably says Webster. I don't know. Okay, the 1829, yeah, right there at the very top, the very tip top. I don't know if you can see that right there. Okay, so this is what it says evil is. Evil, having bad qualities of a natural kind. No, I don't believe the Enneagram has bad qualities. Mischievous, no. Having qualities which tend to injury. Does the Enneagram injure us? Yes, it does. It injures our pride. Um, it shows us how full of ourselves we are. It shows us how what our dominant sin is. And that is injurious to my false self. Uh, what do you mean by false self? What do you mean by false self? This sounds like new age. Well, you know, the Bible is very clear. It talks about the old self and the new self. You'll read all through Paul's writings, old self and new self. The idea that what I used to be versus what I am now in Christ 
And I think when the Enneagram writers talk about the true self and the false self, the false self is that part of you that over-identifies with your personality, that, that is so stuck in sevenness that you can't see any other way to operate. And the, when you learn about the Enneagram, it injures that false self, that part of you that over-identifies with your giftedness, that over-identifies with your strengths, um, that is very offendable, that gets offended easy. The Enneagram is offensive. It's painful. It shows you like a mirror, just like the scriptures are a mirror. It shows you like a mirror where your blind spots are. It shows you that your sin is gluttony. And you go, no, I'm not a glutton. Look, I'm barely overweight. Oh, that's what gluttony means. It shows you that your sin is anger or pride or envy. And that's very painful to your false self who wants to believe that everything you do makes sense. Everything you do is done for the best motives possible. The Enneagram is injurious. Now, it doesn't har uh, harm us. It hurts us. It hurts us. It's painful. But it doesn't cause harm to us. It actually helps us. It really helps us. And that's part of what I'm getting at here is... How do you know if something is evil or good? Well, I mean, obviously, if God says it's evil, then we're going to say, okay, well, God is God, and he's the ultimate authority on good and evil, so he can tell us if something is evil. He doesn't say the Enneagram is evil. Okay, so how do I know whether something is evil or good when it's not mentioned, thus saith the Lord? How do I know? Well, one of the best ways to evaluate this is ask yourself, what effect is this having on me? In other words, what direction is this moving me? Is it moving me toward God or moving me away from God? Um, that's a good way to know if, is this voice I'm hearing, is this the Holy Spirit or is this Satan? I do believe in Satan. I believe just in a real literal God. I believe in a real literal Satan. I believe in the demonic. I believe in the spiritual world. I believe in angels. I believe in all of that. I believe in a real heaven and a real hell. I get it. If you don't share that opinion, I'm fine with that. I totally understand it. I'm not trying to convince you that I'm right about this. Okay? I just said, this is what I believe. I have a very strong Christian worldview. That's my foundation that I stand on. Okay, I think most of you guys know that. Look at my office. Look at my shirt. Okay, I've never hidden in any way who I am or what I believe. Okay, so that being said, I believe that when the Spirit of God is speaking to us or, or speaking to our conscience or whispering to us our conscience, the Spirit always is moving us toward God. The enemy, on the other hand, Satan, is always trying to move us away from God. So if the thought comes into your mind, wow, I'm a terrible sinner. God can't love me. God can't forgive me. Is that voice from God? No. How do you know that? Because you can look at the Bible and see that God so loved the world, that God loves us in the scriptures. It tells us God loves us. So who is this voice that's telling me God can't love me? It can't be God because that would contradict what God has said in his word. So who is it? It's the enemy. It, in other words, that voice, what direction is it trying to move you? Back toward God? The Holy Spirit always tells you, put that down and come home. Put that down. You don't belong with that stuff. Put that down and come back home. Come on. Come back. Come on, baby. Come back home. The Spirit of God is always telling you to come back. Put it down and come back. Leave your life of sin. You know, Come back home. 
The enemy, on the other hand, is always trying to move you away from God. God can't forgive you. God can't really love you. You've gone too far. You can't be forgiven of this. So let me ask you. No, let, let me not ask you. Let me just ask myself. What direction has the Enneagram moved me? Away from God or closer to God? Well, for me, the Enneagram has helped me move closer to God. The effect it has had on me has been one that has made me really wrestle with and see the deeper levels of sin in my own life and in the lives of the people that I interact with. Help me to really take the veils off and see how much I am affected by sin in my life and how it blinds and obscures everything. Even my motives for doing stuff are often blinded and, and, and covered in sin. Okay, whoa, don't mean to hit my microphone. Now, that doesn't defeat me. It just helps me realize that I live in a fallen world. This world is not the Garden of Eden. It's not perfect like it used to be when God originally created it. Again, from a biblical worldview, I know if you believe in millions and billions of years and we're all here by random chance, I totally respect what you believe, okay? I don't agree with it, but I totally respect it. From a Christian worldview, we don't live in a Garden of Eden any longer. Sin has marred everything, including our personalities. Our personalities are now responding to this fallen world, and they're all broken. We're dealing with anger because things aren't the way they're supposed to be. There's something wrong with everything. There's sickness, there's disease, there's problems, there's pain. We're dealing with questions of worth and of value. Where does our worth and value come from now that we don't live in the Garden of Eden, now that we have shame because of sin? We're afraid. We don't know who's behind the next tree, who's behind the next, what's going to happen to me? Ah, fear. And so we deal now with anger, shame, and fear because we live in a fallen world. And our personalities are like, let me protect you. Let me help you. I'll help you from this side to that side. And so our personalities come to us and take us by the hand. And we follow those personalities, believing that they're going to secure us and keep us safe. And in a lot of ways, they do. They do provide us some safety and security. But they are not really who we are. They are a self-protective mechanism that is here, you could say created by God, to help us deal with this fallen world we live in. But there is a person behind the personality. You are not just your personality. I don't have a seven tattooed on my forehead. I am more than just a seven. And I don't have to just limit the way I make decisions to the seven way of thinking. And that's what the Enneagram shows me is like how limited I already am in my and my impulses and compulsions are very structured and prescribed to me, like as a seven. And the Enneagram doesn't try to prescribe anything. It tries to describe how prescribed I've become. And, you know, that this isn't always going to work in my best interest. And I don't have to always give in to my impulses just because it seems right to me at the time. That there is a person behind the personality. And I know critics will say, oh, you're talking about the essential self or the person's essence. And, and like that's some kind of new age teaching. Well, I think it's kind of like the person that we originally were when God created us perfect in the Garden of Eden. There's still vestiges of that back there, marred by sin. And the personality is, that, is, is a, a perspective of that marred, that sin. You say, well, personality is sinful? The whole, every one of these nine personalities is rooted in a sin. 
gluttony, anger, envy, lust, uh, greed. They're all marred by, by sin. I mean, think about it at the end of the day. What is the Enneagram saying? Sin is affecting you. Sin is warping the way you think. Sin is boxing you in. Sin is, is surrounding you. It's in every thought and every impulse, every action. Now, that's exactly what the Bible teaches, is that we are absolutely 100% ruined and marred by sin. And the only hope we have is God's grace. And so the Enneagram, like the Ten Commandments, shows us how messed up we are, um, but also shows us that God is reaching down in grace and uh, reaches another hand out to us. Um, and with these personalities, he's given us not only do we are we wrestling with sin, but he's given us certain gifts, certain virtues, or certain gifts to help us in this struggle. Wow, I'm starting to sound like a preacher. Okay, so let's keep looking at our definition of evil. Um, having bad qualities of a moral kind. The Enneagram doesn't give us bad morals of another kind. It shows us our sin, okay? Corrupt, perverse, wrong, evil thoughts, evil deeds, evil speaking. Okay, number three, unfortunate, unhappy, producing sorrow and distress, you know, when I first learned about the Enneagram, I had some sorrow and distress as I like wrestled with how much gluttony is a part of my life and I always need more and, and um, how I get frustrated when things can't be as fun as I want them to be. And it was very distressful. So maybe it is evil because it does help us, you know, it does produce sorrow sometimes as it injuries, injurious, it injures our pride. We'd like to believe ourselves to be always good and to do what makes sense. Other people are foolish, not me. I always do the right thing. I always do the nice thing. I'm always kind. But why are you always kind? See, there now we start getting into motives, and the Enneagram deals with our motives, and that injures our pride. Evil, natural or moral. Natural evil is anything which produces pain. The Enneagram is painful. It is. It's painful. When you tell a two that their sin is pride, that's painful for them. When you tell a four, when the four finally sees that, oh my goodness, I'm struggling with envy. Oh, that's what this is? This is envy? My focus on comparing myself and how others and how they have a better life than me? That's envy? Oh, that's painful. Okay. Distress. Loss, loss of maybe your false identity. Calamity, disturbs the peace, evil. Anything which disturbs the peace. Does the Enneagram disturb the peace? Yes, it does. When a nine who loves peace and wants to have peace, you know, when they realize that you've been asleep to life, is this really the life that you want to live? I get, I get, calls all the time from nines whose peace has been disturbed because they've learned about the Enneagram. It's disturbing their peace. I think it's a good thing. I do. I think it's a good thing. I think nines, you know, they need to wake up and engage with life. Hey, this is your life. Wake up. Don't go to sleep. We need you to wake up. But it disturbs their peace. 
Look at the definition. Evil. Anything that disturbs the peace. Okay. Impairs the happiness or destroys the perfection of natural beings. Moral evil. Moral evil is any deviation of a moral agent from the rules of conduct prescribed to him by God or by a legitimate human authority. I don't think the Enneagram has moral evil. It doesn't challenge you to move away from what God has prescribed. It doesn't say, believe in me and not the Bible. The Enneagram doesn't ever say that. It just says, hey, your life is being ruled by sin. You want to know what sin it is? Let me show you. That's what the Enneagram does. It just shows you what the, what the sin is that's, that's ruining everything for you. And it starts to give you some hope that maybe there's a way back to God. You know, maybe there's a way back to, back to uh, who I was originally designed to be. I'm never going to be fully that because I'm marred by sin. But it also shows me like where I need God's grace in my life, where I need to be gracious with others. Oh, I thought that person was just being difficult. Now I realize they're struggling with greed. I thought they were just being ridiculous, but I realize now that they're struggling with this idea and concept of trying to be perfect. They think they have to be perfect. Wow, that would be terrible to feel like I always had to be perfect. No wonder they sometimes seem so angry. Oh, that person is really dealing with a sense of worth and value. They feel like they have to prove their value all the time. Just being created in the image of God is not enough. Wow, that no wonder. They're not trying to be difficult. I just don't struggle with that problem as much as they do. So it helps me be compassionate with people. Um, well, there's a few other definitions, but I don't think, you know, I mean, he, he quotes the Bible a lot because back then, you know, the dictionary was based on a Christian worldview. All right. Um, anything else I want to say? Self-protective type. Look, I wrote notes. They're hard to read, but I wrote some notes. Um, in some ways, I think a lot of the people that are attacking the Enneagram, they want to attack something. Um, they want to put something up there and say, hey, all of you guys that think this is really great, well, let me tell you what you don't know. Let me tell you what you haven't. Look at this symbol. It looks like a pentagram. It's the Christian pentagram. First of all, it's not a pentagram. It's not... It's not, it's not really even a star. It's really just lines. Somebody has figured out a way to draw the lines in a way that connects, like a seven, line to one, line to five, five, a line to seven, line to eight. So it's really just trying to describe in places of health and distress, we tend to move in these ways as our personalities try to cope with the problems in life and try to insulate you from the problems of life. It's really just lines that look like a star. They look like a star, but it's really just lines. I think sometimes people put it up as kind of a straw man because they want to be a prophet. They want to be a prophet and they want to show you what you don't know and they want to show you how you've been deceived and they want to show you that, uh, you know, their faithfulness, that they just believe the Bible and that's enough for them. And then they drive home in a car and then they, you know, go to a restaurant and what, what, why drive a car? The Bible's enough for you. Why eat at a restaurant? The Bible's enough for you. It's like this either or thinking. And 
I think if the Enneagram was evil, then I wouldn't use it. I would say, wow, this is, this is moving me away from God. And I see the effect it has on people. It moves them away from God. But I'm telling you guys, what I have observed in working in pastoral ministry as an evangelical Christian minister and my interactions with people in the church and with coaching people online is it doesn't move the average person away from God. It moves them toward God because we're dealing with soul stuff here. People aren't comfortable talking in our culture about the soul, but they will talk about their personality type. And the personality type is like a window into the soul. And before you know it, we're dealing with some deep stuff in people's lives. It starts with, yeah, I'm a five and I like to research information, blah, blah, blah. But then it quickly moves into the deeper things of the soul. And how entrenched I've become in my own ways of doing things. And how stuck I am. And how I don't see very many other options. And it quickly moves to matters of the soul if a person will allow it. And it moves them toward their fallenness and our sinfulness and our depravity and our need for rescue and our need for help and our need for grace and our need for virtues and sobriety and serenity and all of these things that we need that God offers to us. So let's wrap this up. I would totally challenge you, read all the books. I did. Read all of them. Read all that history stuff. I mean, um, maybe there's something in there that'll make sense to you. Uh, read all that history stuff. I know I read enough to go, okay, I don't think anybody really has a grasp on where this thing originated from. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't really understand how electricity works, but I use it every day. I'm glad that somebody invented it, but really to try to reproduce it, I couldn't reproduce it. I couldn't make electricity function the way it functions. I don't even understand really how my car works, but I use it every day. I don't understand how microwaves work. I know some people do. Somebody had to invent it. I don't need to understand everything about its origin to know that it heats my food up and I, it does something good. It does something positive. Now, could the microwave be devastating? Yeah. I mean, it could be used for evil. I think it probably it originally was invented for evil. If I remember right, I think microwaves were originally designed as a weapon. And so, oh, you should not have a microwave in your house because do you know this was originally designed to become a weapon? People were going to kill people with microwaves. Okay, that may or may not be true. I don't know. But is that how I'm using the microwave as a weapon? No, no, I'm heating up Pop-Tarts and it does a good thing for me, okay? So I think, what effect does the Enneagram have? And that's just a question for you, all right? I want you, you who are like, I don't know, should I, is this okay? My pastor said, I don't know. Okay, just ask yourself, what direction is it moving you? Is it moving you toward the spiritual life, toward the inner life, toward the Christian life, um, or toward at least, you know, thinking about spiritual things and the soul and who you are and identity? Realize those same people that put down the Enneagram will then go watch television for hours, which moves you completely away from anything spiritual, anything uh, devotional, anything 
that focuses on the inner life, on who we are and identity and where do we come from and what matters in sin, those same people that trash the Enneagram will then listen to popular music, watch popular television. And again, I like popular music. I like popular television. I'm just saying, you shouldn't use the Enneagram because it has a suspicious look about it or suspicious people also find value in it but then they'll go watch you know a rated r movie where everybody's shooting everybody okay just be consistent so i just want to say to you guys that are on the fence like i don't know i i think it's fine is it fine i think it's okay just ask yourself what effect has it had on me is it helping me get to know myself better do i as a result of studying the Enneagram, have I, has, it, has it convinced me that I don't need God in my life? Is that the effect it's had on you? As you've studied the Enneagram, you guys that are Christian people, okay, has studying the Enneagram caused you to feel, well, I'm absolutely perfect the way I am. I don't need a Savior. I don't need God. I don't need a church in my life. Is that the effect it's had on you? No. I'm sure it hasn't been. If anything, it's the opposite. Like, wow, we're a big messed up pile of mess. We need a savior. We need God. If it wasn't for him, we'd be in big trouble because we're all motivated by all of these crazy lesser motivations. Lord, help us. Help us. Give us grace. Okay. All right. Did I answer anything? No. Did I convince anybody? No. Are you probably going to leave all kinds of comments? Probably. Some of them I might read. Some of them I might not read probably get a lot of votes thumbs down but most of my videos get thumbs up so maybe there should be a couple on here that get thumbs down i mean even jesus said right be weary when all men speak well of you in other words if you're doing the right thing there ought to be a few people that are upset about it okay guys well stay present to life don't miss how awesome god is how awesome life is because it's not working out exactly the way you think it should. Maybe there's a bigger plan. Maybe there's a bigger plan. Maybe we're here on purpose. Maybe you have a purpose. If you'd like to talk about that, I'd love to meet with you. Take care. Bye.